This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates podcast. Um, Last time was our first episode published. This is the second episode. Um, So welcome. If you're new, probably are new. Um, I I didn't check the listeners, so I don't know how many we got. Maybe only three or one. (laughs) But anyways. Do I count? I'm Luke. That's Nathan. Yeah, we we count. That's why I listen to it a hundred (laughs) times. Got to rack up the uh, zoo counts. In this Exactly. In this podcast, we just basically kind of turning into, we kind of talk about contemporary topics um, and give our takes on it. Um, pretty yeah. much. Nathan's Seems to be a, a little politics, a, a little bit of uh, finance, yeah. uh, law a little sometimes. Finance, little politics. Kind of whatever's yeah. on our mind. I, to be. Yeah, whatever's on our mind, I kind of like to think of it as, you know, like um, bar talk for intellectual people, you know, just like stuff that we're actually interested in, but we're not not being too formal about any of it and none of this is financial advice or legal advice nope (laughs) unless you want to fuck some up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we're good at that so the first thing we have on the dog is the you want to talk about dc statehood um looks like the democrats are thinking about pushing that through or is it just i mean they've already passed Uh, nathan actually lives in dc so yeah, I, I well, technically I live in Virginia right now. I used to live in DC proper right. uh, for three years. I grew up in the area for a long time, so it's sort of been on my radar for a long time. My attitudes have switched since I've been older, and I'm definitely pretty much 100% pro statehood, DC statehood, as an actual state, not even to merge it together with either Maryland or Virginia at this point. So to fully right. expose where I'm at, um, and yeah, so that's 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 my personal views. The House a little while ago, like last last time, uh, passed passed the DC statehood law. Uh, I'm not sure what the title of it actually is, but effectively, what it does is shrink the DC itself down to just the federal lands. So the federal buildings, White House, so uh, the Capitol building, all of the mall, et cetera, will all just be called District of Columbia. And then the mm-hmm. other parts of current. District of Columbia just become a different state. And what that effectively does is grant DC representation in in Congress, specifically to senators. And then it also will give them, I believe, just one House of Representatives. But that House of Representatives comes out of a different state. I believe it's Arizona. So basically there's some calculation this is based on a law that was passed a while ago to keep to cap the number of House of Representatives. So they didn't just exponentially grow forever as our population grew. So that is completely capped. So that would be one out of a different state. But for the Senate purposes, they just get two. They just add two. Uh, and right now we have some representation in Congress, but they're non-voting. So they can talk and occasionally raise stuff, but they have really no control. Uh, the real reason, so like the reason I support it is there are, I think, 600,000 people or so in DC that are DC residents, completely not represented. They all pay federal income tax. 
This is different. Unlike Puerto Rico, which uh, if in Puerto Rico you have a Puerto Rican business, you don't have to pay federal income tax. All your all your Puerto Rican income, even though you're a U.S. citizen, to be clear, you are a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to pay any federal income tax. D.C. you do, so they are taxed federally, but not re- have no representation on Congress, uh, voting representation. Taxation right. without representation. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And that is on a lot of uh, on the license plates for many D.C. cars. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's basically what it is. And, and what happened is, you know, it's largely an African-American city, as we know, it's becoming less so as it got a little gentrified. Mm -hmm. Uh, That mainly started because it had a pretty sizable free black population before civil war. And then uh, including Frederick Douglass, he lived in DC. Uh, You can go to his house if you ever want to, if you're in DC. And after the civil war, a lot of the newly freed blacks moved to DC partly to be with, you know, family. Another thing is like to kind of get the protection of the, DC, of the, of the, of the federal government because they, right. um, you know, there are a lot, obviously lots of, you know, violence and outbreaks and lots of stuff going on in the South. So they moved up to, um, yeah. up to DC. And then by the time I think it was the fifties or sixties, it was a majority black city in like the seventies and eighties. It was way significantly black. So that's why they call it the Chocolate City. Uh, it's gotten a little bit less so recently. Huh. But Never largely, my, part of my issue, the reason I want them to have representation is also because of this long history of these are people who were former slaves, like, or, or well, obviously not the people, but they are generations of former slaves, right. like the like the, the offspring of a uh, several generations later. And it, it, to me, it, it's immoral, I guess, just fundamentally. And I don't think mm-hmm. even having them merge together with Maryland takes care of the issue. It would be like, you didn't have full rights for right. years on the end. And then we'll give you this middle, mm-hmm. this mo- middling little fake version of it. Um, right. And you can join that group over there. That's yeah. Fine. You can join that. Yeah. We'll <laughs> give you a fake, uh, a fake feeling of power, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm hundred percent right. pro, but I'm just curious what are your thoughts. Now get, I, get... Um, I think I'm for DC. I have I have different opinions on DC and Puerto Rico. Like I think I'm a yes on DC. I think Puerto Rico has maybe a little bit more of a counter argument for maybe why they wouldn't want to join the union. Um, but for me, with DC, I mean that taxation without representation. I mean literally, like that was the founding. That's why they were mad in the first place, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but that's the story. You know, it's taxation without representation is why America wanted to become their own thing, separate from the king. And so I, I do agree it's kind of ridiculous that they don't have any representation, but they have to pay these taxes. They don't have senators. They have a non-voting voice. So it leaves all those people uh, really without representation. And that flies in the face of what our country is about which is you know you're supposed to have representation for everybody and so i am for it they're basically a state without representation you know i think puerto rico is a little bit different because they don't pay federal income tax i think there's some other nuances there that i have heard people talk about you know if they became a state they'd have to abide by other things this that the other I'm not super educated on the subject but i have heard of people there's a little bit more reason maybe why puerto rico wouldn't necessarily want to be a state i'm fine if they want to be a state but with DC, they basically act as a state. They don't have the senators and they don't yeah. have 
um, a representative. I didn't realize it's, that they were going to take a representative from another state. That's kind of interesting, though. Yeah, um, it, it's worth noting that uh, DC, like DC residents, very clearly want to become a state. Uh, Puerto, Puerto Rico, it's a little yeah, harder yeah. to tell. They had a vote as part of the uh, mm-hmm. presidential election this year, and they were in favor of becoming a state. I think it was 60, 65% of people showed up to vote, which was a high watermark for them. And But the, but we've had historical votes in Puerto Rico where they have gone both in, in favor of becoming states and not in favor of being states. Sometimes ones in favor happened because there was a group within Puerto Rico who just would abstain from the vote as, as, a, as a protest. They didn't even want to be asked the question. They thought it was you know just basically colonization and even asking the question was right. for them. So it's still unclear to me whether they actually support it or not, despite the new vote. If I were in charge of Puerto Rico and whether or not I'd say we're going to run it one more time, this is going to be a serious, if we, if we vote in favor, we will petition to become a state. If we do not, then we will for 10 years, never ask the question again. And 10 years, we'll do another serious vote right. and kind of that kind of thing ongoing forever uh, right. until they say yes, if they ever say yes just to be 100% clear, because there is always that abstaining vote who just like refuses to actually answer the question. But if we told them they had to live by it, they might actually show up. (laughs) And um, right. Yeah, because it's really hard to tell whether they actually want it or not. Partly because that's that's an important point. It's like they are their own people, you know, they are American citizens. But at the same time, like I I can't see the call colonization argument. And so I do think it should be up to them, not necessarily up to you know, the mainland, if you will. Yep. Um, and I, I like that idea of letting them vote on it and like to petition or not to petition because I do, I, and it might be a generational thing. I think when I was doing my research into it, it, you know, some of the older generation maybe don't want it, but the younger generation do want it. But, you know, it, it's, it would only benefit or hurt them. I don't well, the, There was also the diaspora really, after uh, Maria, and right. that sort of changed everything. Hurricane Maria, when it came through, I mean, a lot of people moved to the mainland, uh, lots yeah. to Florida, lots of Texas, various other places. Uh, right. Some to New York, I believe, was another large group, already a large contingent of Puerto Ricans in, in New York, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so right. that was like, it's unclear who left, and that adds complications. Then other people came in, including Bitcoiners. We don't have to jump to that right now. Right. But like cryptocurrency people came in. A lot in of finance there. people moved down there. <laughs> yeah, and the reason was they get the tax benefits, and they were then also going to keep the U.S. citizenship, and they were trying to rebuild the economy. But you know, to me, that also has a flavor mm-hmm. of colonization. <laughs> like white people, let's go down and tell the poor people how to live, and we'll just throw yeah. our money at you, and that's all the problem. people. And yeah. the thing is, they tried so to show their money at people. them, and <laughs> they made you know Puerto Rico made it very tax friendly very corporate friendly and it largely hasn't helped them they have a horrible budget and stuff so i would say that that type yeah. of colonization has not worked out so well but yeah. no i mean in general i think um america should make everywhere a state you know puerto yeah. rico Guam. Uh, cuba colombia mexico canada Guam, <laughs> just, uh, just, 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 we should just make them all states to be honest with you just take all just, just take, <laughs> make everyone i mean state. that's what i'm yeah that's what I'm for is we just take over everything. Like it'll be, it would just be a lot easier. But you know, I, know, I understand that, you know, there may be slight pushback <laughs> to that idea. But, uh, that, that if, you, if you want my global manifest destiny, right? Like that's total global manifest. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Hey, look, look, I'm just here. If we want world peace, we have to kill everyone who disagrees with us. That's it. And then, you know, just make them all pay taxes. And uh, that's it. Like I was hearing good <laughs> but, arguments for putting Guam and American Samoa as um, states in part yeah. as a way to tell the, you know, or at least offering them the chance to become states, partly as a national security measure to deal with Asia. To right. basically say that these aren't just right. like not just American citizens that live there, but like we're taking these places seriously. They're really part of America. Yeah. And we're here to play in Asia. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the first line of defense for national security measures. Of course, that would, right. it was an interesting argument. I never really thought about it. I was reading about it. And mm-hmm. of course, I would assume it requires the uh, people who live in Guam and people who live in American Samoa to actually vote in favor of it and not just, you know, right. unilaterally decide that they're going to be. I think be. they might, though. I know there's a lot of military personnel that come from those places specifically. Mm-hmm. You could argue maybe it's because they're poor in general and they're looking for a way out, but they're very patri- uh, patriotic in a lot of those places. They, they want um, to be involved. And I, I like your idea. It's like, and I think you could, you could look at it like we want them to be a part of our country because we want um, kind of let maybe lessen that, you know, white man control, speaking as a white man, uh, you know, maybe we want to bring in these other cultures and we want to take them seriously and we want to have a more melting pot. That is the idea of America, that we are a melting pot. So like make those other diverse places that we kind of already control and own, um, give them a bigger say in our the way we run this country. I think it would benefit the country as a whole. Would it benefit those places, I could see it, you know, I think probably with being a state, you probably do get more federal funding. You probably get, you know, you get a seat at the table, essentially, and you'd be able to, you know, have a voice and divert resources to your economy, uh, which could benefit a lot of those places, because I know that they're mainly tourist destinations. I don't know if there's a whole lot of economic opportunity. I don't ever hear people, you know, are a young professionals wanting to move to American Samoa to start a family because the economic opportunities are so good. But if they became states, you know, maybe that would change where they could do something like Texas is doing, you know, try, hey, if you're upset, if you're in California, you're upset, come here, you know, no state taxes. And a lot of people are going there. Um, and it kind of, they'd be able to participate, you know, in this experiment that is the kind of the states of, you know, varying bureaucratic changes that, you know, almost like, convince people to move this way or that way um of course they could also end up like wisconsin that no one also wants to move to so there's, <laughs> there's different there's different you know different ideas on both sides i think we should let them vote um those places dc i think should absolutely become a state i don't i think it's ridiculous that they're not a state and i think they live here they are you know what i mean like these other places american samoa port like they're kind of they're outside um yeah, they're island nations contiguous they're island nations, so it, it's, I mean, it's so a different I, I, they're argument. They're island nations, but they're island com, uh, commonwealth, so yeah. Right. Territories, island Right, I could drive to D.C., you know what I mean? Like, they're, you're right over there. Like, you can go from D.C. to Virginia, so it's weird that we just have this it's, contingent it's, it's of also attached to Maryland. people that... It's weird. Yeah, exactly. It's directly attached yeah. to... So, so like, I think if DC, you're in D.C., you walk yeah. across the street, and one side of the street is on, like, D.C., one side of the street is on yeah. Maryland, which is sort it's of... It's pretty weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. But yeah, I'm for DC. They probably it'll probably DC will almost start. I don't know. What do you think? What are your chances? Uh, one of the thing I want to do is it's not going to happen without the filibuster. Uh, if they don't kill the filibuster, if they don't kill the uh, filibuster, it's never going to happen. Yeah. What's it, with the Republicans? Why don't they want it to be a state? Because uh, it's going to be two Democrat votes uh, or three Democrat potentially three. Anything, depending on who they racist. take from Arizona. No, depending on who they right. take from Arizona. Yeah, I'm all for that. 
they may or may not become a Demo- add a Democrat in the House, but they'll definitely add two Democrats in the Senate. So that, that's, the, that's the real answer. Uh, they'd be Democrats. Interesting. 100%. And they'd probably be pretty liberal Democrats. Extremely liberal Democrats, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah DC's that, super that's... liberal from when I lived there. Yep. That would be my guess. So, uh, I, I mean, see. so my guess is without, I mean, actually, it's not even a guess. It's 100% true. If there's don't kill the filibuster, there's no chance in hell DC ever becomes a state. Oh, so it ties into the filibuster. So we need to kill the filibuster so we can make DC a state. Oh, yeah. That's actually Pack the courts. What, yeah. Tax the rich. Yeah. And honestly, if you kill the filibuster, I'm not sure you'd even need to pack the courts. But, uh, but yeah, you kill it. You get, I would definitely, if I were in charge of the Dems, I'd kill the filibuster, immediately add DC as a state, pick up those state uh, the seats, you know, tell Puerto Rico to run one more. Right. One more uh, vote and then live by that one. And at, you can probably do American Samoa and Guam at the same time if they want to do it. You know, Killing a filibuster to make the country more democratic is not wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's what we talked about last time. It, it would, it would, if you're, especially if you're a Democrat, it would allow the Democrats to become do progressive things, which is, you know, to uh, me, it's not just progress like, the country, quote unquote. But it makes the world more. De- it makes the country more democratic. We run around telling the world we have the greatest democracy, work. and yet we disenfranchise yeah. a bunch of Americans who have to pay federal income tax. Um, to me, it's just right. wrong, regardless of whether it's Democrats or Republicans. I'd say the same thing if it was a bunch of red, red people. Uh, right. Uh, just because, like, yeah. these people pay federal income people. taxes less. Like, if we don't want to offer Puerto Rico, fine, I get that. Um, or, or American Samoa or Guam, sure. we don't want to offer them state. I get that. They do have benefits. They don't have to pay federal income taxes, as I said. So they have a lot right. more self-governance. But the other thing about D.C. is they have almost, they have the least amount of self-governance. So everything that they have, it's called, like, the D.C., home rule uh, law back in the 70s mm-hmm. so they have to have they can pass any emergency legislation for 90 days but if it's not right. within, but more than 90 days it's going to last out like 99 days congress has to it has to go through congress and congress has a time to object and remove it so functionally the congress can override dc in a way it can't do so with i any don't like day. that no other state can uh, i like, don't like actual states they can't do that it can't come in and so there was right. a big debate, like on legalization of marijuana, whether that whether the Congress got the got the objection rule through in time because they actually passed it, but like in DC said you didn't get it in time and no one really fought it because it was like a last minute try to objection. But if they objected a few days before and clearly had passed that law, then DC wouldn't have the legalized marijuana it has now. And for the record, it has legalized marijuana, but it's really closer to decriminalization because you can't sell it. You can, you can, you can hand it to people for free. <laughs> But you're not allowed to say nice. It's socialized marijuana. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot. There are a lot of companies that like showed up. That like, there's a whole. If you don't know what Gal Udet is, it's the um, it's the I think it's the only deaf college, but it's the deaf college in in Washington D.C. And so a bunch of Gal Udet art students started selling their art, and then like, and then as a gift, quote unquote, they would give you marijuana. And so so there's like entire like houses that have like filled with Gal Udet art because the people were just oh. ordering marijuana on the internet effectively oh. <laughs> there's a lot of companies like that that develop where you'd order something uh. and get the gift of marijuana there's <laughs> a gift that's yeah. awesome <laughs> i'm for that that's hilarious i think that's egregious that senate that the senate could like veto something that dc wants to do like, yeah i mean that technically to me actually all that's what i mean it's just the taxation the the, the veto like though like it's just like what are you doing man like that's absurd. 
I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, that's that's decent. I guess we pretty much largely agree on what we do. This is this is uh, for, DC, for the listeners. Sorry, listeners, we largely agree. I'm uh, not. Yeah, yeah, we agree no, on that one. That's that was boring. <laughs> Actually, I thought it was interesting, but it's funny that we disagree. Normally, that we agree because normally we disagree is maybe a little bit more interesting to listen to. Like we need, we need yeah. To, well, he disagrees with us for a good reason, and, and and put them on the podcast and see if we can't find them. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Well, you live there. Well, you did live there. I I stayed there for a summer, and when I learned about it, I was just like, oh yeah, this kind of seems like you. And everyone there wants to be a state, so yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know if there's much question. like argument. It's really Republicans just don't want the Democratic senators in there. It's really the only. Like, oh, okay, well that's, that's it. That's it. That's yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. So with the filibuster, I don't see it ever happening. If if they kill if, if they ever kill yeah. the filibuster, then all as long as Democrats I don't think they're going to kill it though. And the other thing is, if they do, you still have a problem because that be the kind of thing that like Joe Manchin might lose his seat over. He's the he's the Democrat out of West Virginia. So like if he mm-hmm. if he voted to give DC statehood, even if he even if he voted to remove the filibuster, which he'd have to be on board to do that, which I think is unlikely. If he did that, I don't I'm not sure he'd vote to have. DC statehood. Uh, I'm just skeptical. Uh, they, I mean, Same. the only way to get it done would be maybe like offer him position in the admin if he gets loses his next election or something like that. Like a we will deal yeah. sort of situation. Like, uh, so yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I remember last time you made a move on to Robinhood or something now, because last time we talked and I was pretty bullish. I'm yep. buying GameStop. <laughs> yeah, and then right and the next day, right the next day, everything blew up. So you want, you want, why don't you go to the background? You were the, you were the player. You were the, you were the one who had the money in there. I was, yeah, I had money. I put money into Robinhood, or not. I keep calling it Robinhood. I did use Robinhood, but I put money to buy uh, GameStop um, stock. And so we did this last Wednesday, and I was, you know, I was pretty. I was like, oh, dude, I got this, killing it. And then, uh, and I was telling um, you, to sell. I mean, it was, it was going to the moon. It was going to the moon, and then the, literally the next morning, uh, it hit a high of like 470 bucks, and I saw that, and I should have uh, sold it, but I was actually in the middle of driving um, to work, and so I was like, yeah, I don't know, I think it'll be okay, and then we started getting messages that um, Robinhood was throttling uh, the purchase. Of the, well, at first, they actually completely shut off. You couldn't buy GameStop stock at all, and uh that wasn't but you could sell and that was quite infuriating and uh they did that for thursday and friday and i think they might have left left off it um now but um i think that was a complete uh, market manipulation by them and that's pretty pretty upset that about that i did get out um i did make a decent chunk of change because as soon as i saw that happen what percentage were your gains Almost, uh, almost three hundred percent. Not quite. That's um, really good. Probably like two hundred eighty percent or something. And, like and you're only in for like, like so, a couple yeah. days, right? So. Yeah, I think I got in on Monday because um, unlike cryptocurrency, you can only buy and sell when the market's open. <laughs> yeah. So I got in. I think Monday morning, um, and so I was really only in for three or well, I, I got in on Monday and I sold on Friday. Um, so I think it's crazy. It's still kind of crazy. You got like almost three hundred percent in a couple is. days. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. Uh, it, I because it hit that four, high of four seventy on Thursday, and then it kind of tanked. 
because they were blocking um, your ability to buy. It went down, actually, it almost went down to my cost basis, which I think was around 150 because um, I bought it and I was about 80. And then I, as it went up, I bought more um, to get more shares and it went down a lot. And I, I was pretty, I was pretty upset because I, my high was like, I don't know, I, I made a high of like four or five X and I was pretty excited. And then when they went back down, I was like, I just lost all my money. It was pretty, it's pretty solemn. And then the next day it bounced back up. So I got my original investment out and I was going to let it ride. And then you had reminded me actually, you're like, well, you better be careful because the hedge funds are going to be in control over the weekend. Yes. Um, and you're not going to be able to do anything. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And they're still throttling the purchasing of GameStop stock. So I was like, I'm going to get. So about an hour before close on Friday, I pulled the rest out. It was trading sideways, about 300 and something. Um, so I, I, only, I only missed out about $1,500 from my high, from my high high, which is, you know, sucks, but it's like, whatever. Um, and then I, and now it's just kind of sad to look at Wall Street bets and all these people who have put a ton of money in. And I don't think it's coming back. It's down for um, just for anyone listening. Um, it is trading eighty-eight fifty right now. So, so way above it's seven dollars um, though. <laughs> so way yeah. above it's seven dollars. I didn't get it then though. If I had gone in, I might still be in, but I did not get in at seven dollars or four dollars, which I knew about it. I knew about it when it was seven dollars but I didn't get in. Um, and so what are your thoughts? I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the whole, did Robin Hood and Citadel collude? Did, was it market manipulation? Did they have a liquidity problem? What do you think? Highly unclear whether it was them or the settlement, uh, the people who did handle their settlement. Um, and that's their argument. It was the people who handled the settlement that, that they pretty much cut it off for mm -hmm. them. Uh, yep. And the answer is, I don't think we know. And if it was the settlement, though, that's also their, I think it's called a clearinghouse, which is also still um, still part of their problem. It's part of their business to control their vendors and the client, you know, uh, in my opinion, right. to a certain extent. And and I don't know, I'm like, I would I would pull my money out of Robinhood and move into a different company. And the thing is, even if that was the case, they should have been honest about it. They weren't even honest about it. Like, like they just right. said they're suspending it and I think it was Square. Square had to do the same thing, eventually, functionally for the same reason. And they specifically told who the, you know, who their vendor was that was screwing them over. And they said we disagree with it, and this is what's going on. So, like that was a much clearer statement. Right. It happened a few days later. They had the benefit of seeing how Robinhood did right. not handle it. Uh, with that being said, I still think they probably would have done that anyway. On TV, <laughs> Jack Dorsey is just a little bit more open about things, to a degree, and about the things he disagrees with. So. Right. But yeah, Vlad went on, I don't know, CNBC money and basically was just like, he was not, it's honestly, it sounded like he doesn't even understand how his business works. Um, I mean, like I get it, but he was, I don't know if he, he was just talking, but at such a high level, but, and I do, I could see the argument that, well, I think what was going to happen is they were going to go bankrupt because apparently they, you know, they're not, there's intermediate, so, all right, so I should just explain this for people out there who don't understand. You sign up with an app like Robinhood or M1 Finance uh, or any of these trading platforms that allow you to actively trade. When you trade, when you buy a share, that company goes out and kind of purchases those shares from an intermediary. Um, so you say, I wanna buy the stock at $100. That share goes to an intermediary who actually buys the share uh, from a seller, they might have bought it beforehand from a seller, and then that sells it to you. And this could happen very quickly. 
but the trading platform has to deposit the money that you that you bought the shares for immediately um and then because you're paying a clear for a few days and so the argument was that Robinhood is going to go bankrupt because so much volume was happening they didn't have enough money to cover themselves for all the shares they have enough money to deposit but if they get back because then your money replaces um their money but the the people in the middle aren't going to be left holding the bag and so Robinhood didn't want to be left holding the bag and they didn't have any money they were literally running out of money because there's so many buys and sells and they have to deposit money every time and this um, is an interesting segue to cryptocurrency and bitcoin and Mm -hmm. uh because that's so settlement in the cryptocurrency world takes place in minutes so and that's called settlement all that behind the scenes stuff is called settlement and as i say normally in the normal finance work it all works perfectly great until these weird one-off events like like GameStop and it goes to complete hell and none of that can ever happen in cryptocurrency just by design so you could you could you could put an order in it and not get it through but that's because you didn't put enough money in to get it paid off and it gets stuck in the mempool until it gets kicked back out um so the mempool is like where all the transactions go before they actually clear and and so everyone knows it's Mm -hmm. going And, and it's never your money that you put in there is never out of your account it only comes out of your account when the transaction actually is settled period full stop uh, but if you put in enough money to pay the fees you'll be one of the first ones through the door and you're settled within in 10 minutes mm-hmm. uh and right. so that like especially with bitcoin and, and pretty much all the crypto cryptocurrencies work pretty much similar the same way so this theoretically should not be an issue within finance if people go to cryptocurrencies including decentralized finance which gets into stuff that i'm less versed in than bitcoin specifically but the idea is they're trying to work on that kind of plumbing and it's one of the things they're trying to fix and yeah. we'll see if they can and it's a little can, sketchy right now but I, it's very early in DeFi, in my opinion and so it's you know there's the people who believe it's the house of cards and then there and there's people who say who are really involved in it say not at all and then there's people like me who just don't know <laughs> And so maybe I'm just, it's too yeah. early for me and I just don't know enough about it to really have a strong opinion either way, except that I know. So from a pure investment standpoint, I just preferred Bitcoin because I understand it. It's already a functioning working product. I still think it's very cheap right now compared to where it will be, even if it only just takes out gold. If it takes out more than gold, it could go much, much, much higher. And so, I think, yeah. I think so my attitude is just like, I just, rather than trying to think very hard about things I don't fully grasp, and trying to determine whether or not that'll outperform Bitcoin, I just buy Bitcoin instead. But that's sort of like, so I'm a Bitcoin maximalist with a star in it, I guess, asterisk, not because uh-huh. I necessarily believe the other things won't perform or even maybe potentially outperform Bitcoin. It's just that I literally have no way of really knowing. And I'm convinced that Bitcoin will perform very, very, very well over a long period of time. And it's likely to probably be the highest performer, but even if it's not, it'll perform probably 80% of the way that the next best thing would perform, which would probably be Ethereum would be my guess if I had to guess one. I think Ethereum has the, probably the best chance of being around yeah. as well as Bitcoin. It's a little undefined saying performance because I mean, if you're just talking about monetary value. Monetary value, period. Uh, monetary value, uh, monetary value, not like how much it changes the world, that kind of thing. Like there's a different calculus, right. right? So, right. So to get yield, yeah, I don't think anything will ever beat Bitcoin. And that's kind of my attitude. Like, I don't really, Ethereum did, but. yeah, yeah. I just, it's only yeah, 1500. it might have a more impactful 
return on, on, on the world and the way it impacts the world. But that's a different conversation than what I would have talked to someone about investing and who are interested in it just from the investment perspective, right? If you're in, like, you know, the military and a war impacts the world a lot, but it doesn't provide a whole lot of return. So yeah, it changes the world a lot. So <laughs> like a whole I, lot of return on investment. No, it's a lot of destruction. So I mean, Ethereum could could be very impactful on the world and maybe more, and maybe more impactful than Bitcoin in some ways. But um, uh, but I'm just skeptical that it outperforms Bitcoin in the long run. But if if I were to pick one that I think has the potential, that would probably be the one. So Nate is telling all of you to yellow your money into Bitcoin. Do it now. Uh, honestly, I have. I'll, I'll tell you guys. I have over. Half, I'll have Omer. Yeah, over half my net worth is in Bitcoin. Let me put it that way. Um, but that's personally what I'm doing. Mine too, Not necessarily financial advice. You have to decide how much you believe this stuff. I, I would tell you to get off of zero if you have no Bitcoin to buy some Bitcoin and then start learning yeah. about it. Um, and then the more you learn about it, I would be surprised if you didn't just put some more money in there. But. Yeah, it could, um, it could very well. And it's on a tear recently. It's a, there's a very slow and steady. Yeah, it's not really a tear. Recently. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I think it's different. It's not really a tear. So we've seen tears before and we've seen, um, well, just sudden pops like when Elon, so Elon Musk a few days ago, I think it was about five days ago, uh, changed his profile to include a uh, Twitter profile to include exactly one word, Bitcoin. And then he said, uh, in retrospect, it was, it was inevitable. And so immediately, it went from like $33,000 to $37,000, like right when the tweet happened. Uh, and then it came back down. And now it started to, over the last few days, started to march back up. And I think we're around 37,500 right now, but I'm not quite sure. Let me open. Yeah, it's 37,874. Actually, literally, as you were speaking, just bought a little bit of more Bitcoin because I'm, uh, I'm about to put a, <clears throat> make a big purchase into Bitcoin, but it started uh, marching up. But and, you, uh, you're literally trading while we're on the podcast. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. You just hit buy. <laughs> I, I've like, done this a few. I've actually done this a few times. <laughs> just, when I'm on, when I'm in meetings, I'm just like, yeah, hey, I'll just buy some, buy some of that, buy okay. some of this. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm instituting a new rule for this podcast. Whenever you trade live, you must announce it. <laughs> it's not, it's not that you can't okay. do it, but it's hilarious to me that someone's trading. While, while we're talking well, in a podcast. So that's a new rule. That's the ongoing was, rule forever. If you ever buy or sell something live okay. during a podcast, you must announce it. Because that, that's hilarious. Yeah, my thought process was like, we're talking about it and in my, a week ago it was like 32 or something. And it's been trading at 30 to 33 for I don't know, maybe a month or two now. It's been pretty chill. So I was like, okay, I can slowly wade into this and increase my Bitcoin holdings. And as I went to just check it right now, I'm like, oh, it's it was 36 early uh, last night. Now it's almost at 38. I'm like, I better start getting into I'm this bitter. because I believe yeah. it's going to double in the next couple of months. It's going to be at 80 in six months or so. And so I better get in because I would like to double that money, but I don't want to wait too long. But I'm trying to wait to see if there's a pullback, but the growth is so slow and steady. I don't know if there's going to be a pullback, so I'm just going to have to keep yeah. buying it. That's why you and I think this, might be, this one might be a little different where it kind of gets up to 40,000 actually stays over there. Uh, and, and there's no media attention. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess Elon Musk changing his thing to Bitcoin, but not like... But yeah, that was four days ago and it came back down. Right up to 20. Well, yeah. that was four or five days ago and it came back down. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I do think there's something else going on. I'm sure Elon Musk... Uh, 
Twitter impact is still impacting this price. I actually believe that, but it's probably sure. more than that. It's got to be more than that because it's just steady. It's not like that sudden movement it was when he actually tweeted. So I think it's probably, this might be the one time when it actually gets past 40, I think we would, it would top out 41, 42, something like that a few weeks ago. Uh, um, this might be the one where it- Yeah, it almost hit 42. It, it, this one $14 might, off. Yeah, this might, this might be the one where it gets like 42 and, and then actually goes past it. And then, then the next big stop yeah. is probably $50,000. I mean, like, yes. And then yeah. around 50, I think it's around 55,000. It's when we hit $1 trillion in market cap. Wow. And so once you hit, so the two big markers will be potentially, potentially big stories. I would imagine the media will be $50,000 Bitcoin because that's just an easy round number. And then a trillion dollar market cap right. would also probably be a big um, news media. And yeah. then if it happens like the same week, like within a couple of days of each other, then you're just going to go gangbusters. If it goes from 50 to 50, right. 50 to whatever that needs to be for 1 trillion, you got, you're going to have two conversations. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be, I don't right think it's going. And that's how you get to 80 down, or a hundred thousand so... dollars real quick. And yeah. the thing is you get to it real quick. And then even though we're probably outperforming this doctor flow model a little bit by a few months, you know, probably just ride there until we, actually catch up with it you know as people just yeah. keep buying and, the, and yeah. the other the other big news in bitcoin world right now is that michael saylor's first day of pitching is to corporate uh to, so michael saylor being the ceo of microstrategy uh just full disclosure i own some shares here in, in my retirement account huge fan all that stuff so today he had a bitcoin for corporations uh class and he, he started with the macro and the real introduction was fantastic with Ross Stevens, I believe his name is, and that is going to come out Do you on know Friday. How many firms showed up. Um, I, have I think he me. said, I think it was fourteen hundred people from fourteen hundred different companies showed up. We don't know who yeah, those companies were, but he did he did in tune that a lot of them were CEOs and CFOs of large corporations. Uh, that some of them were really you know people we seem to probably know, and they were sort of, and and today they did the macro case corporate strategy, how, how you might integrate this into your corporation, depending on what corporation you're running, um, including in his case, just a P, uh, his is just a, um, it's just a balance sheet play. So he's just taking, doing his normal business, taking the free cash flows that he doesn't need to run the business and putting it into Bitcoin rather than issuing dividends or buying back shares effectively. That's what he's doing. He's putting it into Bitcoin treasury. Uh, so that's his plan. And so that's probably the most common one. I think it probably is the most common one for certain places, but he was talking about other companies that could run different things, including, you know, how Apple could integrate it directly into the phone and, and all these other options. But then he went into do it. Then we did the, and then they did the corporate strategy and how to actually get this done. And then they did the legal and they did the accounting and tax considerations. And each of those were an hour long program. So it was, it was five. I think it was, 12 to five o'clock or something. So it's five hours wow. of content. And then tomorrow is going to have another five hours of content where basically all the companies within the Bitcoin space are going to give 25 minute presentations to pitch their product for corporate clients. So within that, wow. I, uh, and, and they're pretty much offering anyone who wants to be in that involved in that are, are going to do that. And, and I think, you know, so give it a quarter or two because it's going to take a couple months, but these corporations, some of these are going to opt to do it. Now they have a playbook, they know how to do it. And some of them are going to throw some cash into it and all of that's coming. So you're talking yes. you know, three months out. Uh, so you know, April, May timeframe, we might start May, seeing it. Yeah. And then 
and that gets you to the eighty thousand dollars by April, uh, by May as well. So exactly, uh, and it might get but 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 the problem is that could be a super super event. So so this could be like the super cycle, different a different one. Because so previously we've had skyrocketing past what the stock of flow model suggests, and then it crashes back down sometimes below the model. I think kind of kind of slowly gains close to the line. This you might not see the crash. And you might, am I overperforming yeah. the crash? Because if these are all institutions, they may not want to sell for a long time. So before it was right. retail investors who bought it and were holding it in exchange. And once they hit a certain level of gain, they sold because they wanted their gains, maybe to buy a house, buy a car, or just because they were scared to lose it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the crash starts. Right. But these guys, if they have enough cash on their balance sheet to survive for a while, and they put just enough in their Bitcoin, they might just not care to ever sell and be happy to, you know, check in on in 10, 20, 30 years from now. And then the money, and then the, right. and then the coins never come back on the market, and then the crash never starts. Right. And exactly. so this one could be it outperforms the stock to flow model and never comes back down. And right. that's part of the reason I'm definitely loading up. I assume that's part of the reason you're loading up is part of your thinking. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I believe that these corporation. I know how corporations operate. I mean, you work in a big one. I've worked in corporations. They're they're very slow and methodical. Not necessarily the most intelligent, but very slow and methodical. And if they're going to make this decision, you know, they're just going to lock that up. And they would be, if if Bitcoin even returned 5%, 8% a year for them, like they would be more than happy to write that and, and let their shareholders know and let their employees know, hey, you went up 8% this year. Like they're not going to just sell that for a huge gain. And, and, and you got, got the tax consequences. If they sold it, they had to pay the, exactly. the taxes there. And then if they exactly. issued it as dividends, then then the yep. shareholders get taxed on it. So tax so shareholders exactly. tend to be happy with you keeping the money, companies keep the money as long as they're performing yep. better than they would perform themselves because they don't get the double tax. Exactly. So these are right. the kind of things you just let ride. Um, and you just let it ride. And which you know, shrinks the overall flow for guys like us, which is why I'm buying it now. Because that's yeah, just Apple gonna, could put 10% of big, their thing oh, in Bitcoin yeah. and never have to worry about it. Like, Those big corporations will take all of it. And like they're going to take all of it. That's also, this is also why I'm not selling. It's important to know this. I'm not selling. This is probably who you're selling to right now. It's probably big institutions. And if you're not yet, you're yep. going to be soon. So please, if you have it, do not sell it. Also remember, if you do sell it, you have the tax Don't consequences. Uh, once I buy it, it just, it's going away for a while. Like I'm, I'm the only time I'm looking to mm-hmm. sell in the next few years might be enough to get a down payment of a house I, I rent right now. Um, and that would be about the only reason I would get rid of it anytime in the next few years. And I'd only get enough for the down payment. And then the rest I'm going to let ride for a long time. And, 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 and by the way, I will, even... if this podcast lives, lasts long enough, I will tell you guys when and if I, I do sell. And uh, guess what? You don't even need to sell it. You can take out a loan on it. It'll be equity. There's there's banks out yeah. there that will give you a loan on your Bitcoin. Yeah, that's so you true. wouldn't even have to sell it. That's true, but for a down payment, you really should be. In, I think should be in because the thing is, you're already taking out a loan on the mortgage, right? So, so the re- the, the rest of the maybe. So um, I probably would sell it for that, but but oh, I the good news is I don't make the good news finance. I don't have to make these decisions now. I can make them in a few years. So, uh, but I, if I do sell yeah. in the future, I will guys make sure to let you guys know and give you some idea with the percentage I'm, uh, I'm selling on my yeah. stack and and why I invest is I set kind of checkpoints if we're still at 37 in six months my confidence may waver a little bit maybe i'd pull out uh, a big chunk because i think it'll be more useful somewhere else but if we're at 80 in six months that's just another green light to say maybe hold it for another year and see what happens 
if it goes up to 100, maybe hold it for another year and see what happens. Plus, it's like it's not going anywhere. I don't. It's definitely not going to go back to zero because if it goes to zero, I will buy all of it. And then that's I'll the thing. Ross Stevens, said, uh, Ross Stevens today said, he you know he's the guy who was uh, who's doing the macro thing with microstrategy, and he's mm-hmm. been in the Bitcoin space, and his entire company, which is which manages other funds. Is, is on the Bitcoin standard. So they're all their reserves are in Bitcoin. But he said a few years ago, they were you know, talking to clients who wanted to buy Bitcoin. They were asking, you know, what's the percentage that goes to zero, right? They want to know the risk. Uh, and he said, you know, a few years ago, it was an interesting conversation because we really weren't sure. He goes, but nowadays I just say, there's no chance. It's not happening. Um, and, and I think he's correct. I think there's no, like you can't shut the thing down. It's worked for 12 years. Right. It's only getting stronger and more robust. Uh, I'm not no sure how I, I try to think of how you go to zero and I'm, I still can't come up with one uh, because someone's going to buy it up. And even if that person happens to live in the Cayman Islands yeah. or it's maybe not outlawed or whatever uh, and just buys it. If it went back to 10, I would take out a big loan and buy a bunch of it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. there's like, there's numbers where I'd be like, Oh, this is a great deal. Like if it goes to 10, I'm going to find someone with a lot of money and say, give me a hundred grand. Let's buy 10 Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, and it's it's going to go back up. And, all of the right tailwinds behind it to push the price up are going the other way. So I just yeah. like, you have to have hacked it. Maybe if they hacked it and they put at this point, hacking is almost impossible. Quantum computing is the kind of thing I can maybe take it out, but that's so far in the future yeah. that I'm not worried about it. Like, like, and, and the thing is, Look, and we have quantum people, we have people who work in quantum computing who are working on Bitcoin. So it's not like this is an unknown risk. People are working on it. We're, uh, they're constantly upgrading the security in some ways. Bitcoiners are really useful because they're so paranoid about every f- potential fringe case in the future, right. like even if it's 30 years in the future, that they're constantly trying to find ways to, around, uh, to protect them. And, they, and that's why it's getting stronger. It's getting stronger and I'm not particularly worried about it. And, and right. the other thing is quantum computing is basically a computer that can bend time and space. So if that happens, we have bigger issues than our Bitcoin. Like exactly. quantum computers hack a Bitcoin this, the NSA was already hacked. Everything's already been hacked. There's no such thing as a password anymore. Like, exactly. exactly. Everything, it's, it's a big deal. It, it becomes a big deal for pretty much everything. And why do you think your money is going to be any, yeah. like in your computer? You think they right. can't hack yeah. more than, uh, you can't hack the uh, Citibank or whatever? They'll hack Citibank too and take all your money. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess yeah. you're FDA insured, but what does that mean? That means that means the government prints more <laughs> money and your money becomes less worth yeah. it. So exactly, I'd still rather have Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> And just try to we have it. we have bigger issues at that problem exactly at, at that point where and not only you have to it's basically like someone getting a giant nuke that could nuke most of the world and then running and right. then they'd have to decide to do it like rather than use it to their benefit right. in a way that allows the system to keep running because here's the thing if you had a quantum computer you could mm-hmm. also just forever mine bitcoin and get all the new bitcoin coming out and the system right. keeps functioning and you get really rich like right. yeah. wouldn't that be an easier choice exactly. just mine bitcoin and and then you don't have yeah. to, you can buy just all your burning it all down you can buy all the boats you want and all, all the right. islands you want. I think, pretty soon. I think that's the argument that people don't understand about Bitcoin is that these large institutional investors and just corporations are looking to buy it. And when they move, they're moving an, ins- an insane amount of like more than like millions, mil- hundreds of millions of dollars to buy a Bitcoin which, and Bitcoin is the only finite thing we have here, right? That especially that we can use for currency, like it's, and enough of those, you only need, if every Fortune 500 company, or even if half of them decided to move a hundred million dollars into Bitcoin, like that, that severely limits the amount that other people are going to get to be able to buy. Mm-hmm. 
and they're going to hold it for 30 to 50 years, which means that's just the float is you just shrunk the float. Right. Yep, yep. And so that's going to drive supply the just, just supply available demand. supply just went yeah. down a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's why I, I buy in it because it's, Oh, p- other, these large people with big pockets are valuing it. Well, I'm just going to ride that. They'd have this big ship and I'm just going to ride that wave right in front of them and let them take my Bitcoin up. And then, I mean, who knows what the end game is? I don't really like uh, deep it is, we don't have to figure it, we don't have to figure it out for We don't have to figure it out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got a clear runway for um, positive gains for a long time. So, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. But like the difference is the difference between this and GameStop, it's not a day by day thing. This is a year by year. Don't, don't hold GameStop. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. I made money on it. Like I said, in the last podcast, I kind of know what I'm doing, but like, don't, don't hold it. No. I got out because the facts changed. And so I had to change my opinion, but I do intend on holding Bitcoin for a long time. I would, I wish I could get paid in Bitcoin, to be honest with you. Like well, I, mean, I deal with a lot of international business. I wish I could pay and get paid in Bitcoin. You effectively can. I mean, I would right now. Say- I would say just not enough swan, people are into it. For me I would just it, say swan, I no, but I would say just swan Bitcoin dollar cost averaging is basically like changing part of your paycheck to the, to, to the Bitcoin. Like that's what right. I do. And my point is that that's what I want to say. I put myself in the Bitcoin standard where it really means I'm dollar cost averaging with swan Bitcoin. And right. I'm slowly, and, 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 and I'm taking a few, I mean, you can do it daily. You can do it monthly. You can do it bi-weekly, I believe and weekly, um, whatever works for you guys. But, you're basically taking some of your cash flow from your paycheck and just turning it into Bitcoin. And you can do that now. The, the other option is Strike. Strike, Jack Mahler's company is going to allow you to basically set up your own direct deposit through your company, whatever your company is, into you know Strike's account, which will immediately turn into Bitcoin and, and deliver it to your wallet. So that's another option. You can do this. You just right. can't. You don't have to go to the company anymore. It's completely within your own control if you want to do it. Either one is an option. And mm-hmm. I would highly recommend you do that. Um, I am taking a certain percentage of my, uh, of my, basically, I think of it as my personal free cash flows. The amount I know I don't need in cash. I have an emergency account. If my emergency account gets too big, I buy more Bitcoin. Uh, uh, but I, I, I kind of know how much money I need to feel comfortable in cash. And then I, if I get above that, I'm buying more Bitcoin. But in the meantime, a certain amount of it on my every See, paycheck this is being allocated to Bitcoin. Wait. This is where you're wrong again. We don't need any cash for emergencies because you have credit cards. That's what credit cards are for, bro. Uh, to a degree, use your I, credit card for emergency spending. Everyone, to do a, it now. To a degree, I actually don't, don't think cash. that's terrible uh, advice because, in fact, I, I I paid for. I think you're disagree. I think, I, think I, had, I had like a fourteen hundred dollar. Um, uh, well, you know, I had to fix my car, right? So fourteen hundred bucks, and I have enough in my emergency uh-huh. account just to pay it off. Um, but the other option right. was with my credit card company was to pay a very small fee to pay it over twelve months, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a tiny little fee, right. um, like sixty bucks in the end. And I was just like, I'd rather do that mm-hmm. and then keep my emergency account and take. I took some money out of the emergency account and right. bought Bitcoin, right? Because um, I'm confident within a year. That's it'll exactly be more, how I feel. It'll be worth more. But the thing is, if my credit card, on one, if my credit card company didn't give me that option. Um, then I probably would have just paid it out directly. So there are certain yeah. things, you know, just having some cash is going to always make you feel a little secure. Uh, at least me, sure. I can sleep at night. Um, cause, because one thing about Bitcoin, as much as I, I trust it, it's going to be up in a year. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to be up tomorrow. And that's a different conversation. Like it has enough volatility. That's completely different. It has much vol- enough volatility that I don't know how soon it will be up. And right. yeah, you're right. The bit- you kind of have to credit cards will allow you to bridge it a little bit, but if you have to pay the full interest rate, <laughs> 
yeah. over normal over normal credit card, yeah. then it's not good. Um, but if you right. can delay yeah. it, or the other thing is, I do Amazon almost any time they have the option to pay over six months or twelve months for with zero interest. I almost always take it because that's free money. Um, yeah, that's free money. So I'm, but I'm always that's paying, that OPM. So I'm always paying. Um, so it's called the interest saving balance, which means you're paying the amount that you don't accrue any interest. Uh, and I'm always, I have them set to that, both of my, my credit Chase credit cards. Nice. Um, so they're set to interest saving balance. So I'd never pay any interest. Nice. Never That's the way to do so it. I, never I thought we didn't disagree on that. Cause I also just, I use my credit card for stuff and I don't just pay it off, but no, but like, like I have, I have more in credit than I would ever keep in cash. So it's almost I mean, if like if anything happened, I would just use my credit card. I mean, but the answer is like, the problem is if you can't have the interest saving balance, then you can accrue lots of interest and that can be really hard to get out from under. Sure. Uh, extremely hard. I mean, that, yeah. and in fact, uh, when my grandmother did leave me money this year, which I talked about last podcast, uh, one of the things I did is I had about a thousand dollars in, in, in credit cards that was actually accruing interest and I just immediately paid it off. Like that, like that yeah. was one of the first things. It was immediate perfect gain. Um, yeah, well, I, I actually would have performed. I actually would have outperformed on Bit using Bitcoin. But the thing yeah. is, I didn't know for sure, and this was a guaranteed win, and it just got it off my head. Like, but yeah. so, and now I have nothing accruing, no interest accruing at all in my credit cards. So everything. Well, Bitcoin's like, an anomaly. Like normally, paying off your credit card is the best return you're gonna get. Even yeah. if you have a low, even if you have a twelve percent credit card, yeah. that's a you gotta think that's of that's a twelve percent savings if you pay that off. You're right not now. even gonna get that in the S and P five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Right so, now. Yeah. So, and yeah. you get to sleep at night. A I agree. Bit. So, um, but now I have, I do have a decent amount of credit card debt, but it's all in zero interest. So I'd rather buy Bitcoin <laughs> where I'm making money. Um, well, I mean, so it's free money. So, I mean, it's almost like now, I mean, yeah, you owe it, but like you can put it somewhere and make money off it. That's the best thing yeah. to do. And that's what I'm doing. That's just some, some idiot bank gave you money for free. Like, okay, I'll take okay. it. Exactly. So when just don't, you, just don't spend it invest it yeah yeah that, that that i think that's a fundamental point here if you're just gonna spend it on don't hookers, buy shoes if you're gonna or hookers and blow <laughs> yeah. uh yeah yeah not only you not only might you might you end up in jail but you're also uh spending that money you're so i've actually had that conversation right. about buying houses and how houses in my opinion don't really accrue that much money you actually get more of the market probably um but yeah, i always I, told people but i also told people like look if you're gonna take that money yeah. and just waste it uh, and I always use the joke of right. hookers and blow. I was like, then, you know, right. buying a house is probably definitely a better move. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're not going to make a lot of money, but you're also mm -hmm. not losing money. And right. like in, real, in real terms, well, I don't know. Money. So in real terms, you're not yeah. actually making money, but in, but in, but you're also not losing money. Whereas in, if you just go and spend it on like, I don't know, elaborate vacations instead of hookers and blow, let's use the, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're never going to get that money back. And uh, now, to be fair, if you pick the right vacation, maybe that will like add enough value to your life that's worth it. But, uh, but I think people I tend know. to have there are things they're spending money on, including me. Uh, I've done this before that they really don't value that much because they never stop. They just always have habitually spent money on it. And I right. think one of the benefits of COVID was one of the few benefits is it forced a lot of us to check that stuff. Um, in my case, like I was going out a lot more. I'm going out nowhere near as much, obviously. Right. Uh, when I go out, I enjoy it more now. The few times I do, right. where I'm sitting outside and having talked, catching up with a friend. It used to just be more of a habit than anything. And now I'm at home, I'm reading books. I'm still having my drinks, but I'm just doing it at home. I'm much cheaper. And I, and I have, I'm doing a lot of the same stuff, so. 
but I'm doing so it at home, I'm not paying the full price. Pretty into real estate. Um, I'm a huge real estate uh, investing fan. I do own a house, and let me tell you, fucking expensive as shit. Like <laughs> the amount of money I've spent on my house just fixing little shit. I don't know. Like I don't know if I don't even know if you should own a house at this point. I mean, like they do kind of increase in value, and like it is nice, I guess, maybe to own your own home. But like I'm not even entirely convinced that it's ever a good idea. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think it is, but you have to take. You have to. I think what people do is they equate the mortgage to rent, which is not really an accurate count because right. so mortgages generally don't include uh, don't include property tax uh, as a general it's a loan payment. Uh, so you need to include your property tax. You need to include, yeah. which could be pretty large in certain places. You also need to include your uh, maintenance mean. fees. Your home, if you have any HOA fees, is all need you to be thrown in. Maintenance fees. All that stuff needs to be lumped in together. It's rent. All that rent covers all of that for me. Mm-hmm. They pay the, the property tax. They pay. Um, yeah. And in, actually, in my current place, they pay my utilities. Every utility That's except tight. for the internet. So I'm. Uh, so I've That's got a great tight. deal here in these uh, in my current deal. place. And and so That's a great deal. I, I won't tell the amount, but the amount is sizable for places that aren't are in the DC area that aren't in the DC area. In the DC area, I'm pretty cheap, especially when you include the fact that I get all utilities. I used to pay the same price in rent with not at utilities uh, at a one bedroom, one bath, which is what I have here. And that was about eight years ago. Uh, Are you totally attached? And I'm in a uh, domicile? I'm in an apartment, yeah. one bedroom, one bath. It's got four units and I'm on the top floor. Damn, but they pay utilities? That's big, man. Because like my utilities, like I have, I have roommates and they pay rent. I, I mean, I, like I, said, I own some, I own two properties right now and I have renters in both. I live in one of them, obviously. <laughs> um, but like, and it, I think it's good, like maybe in the future. And what I would say is it's nice that I have a place with a roof. If everything, like for everything went to, you know, shit, like it'll take the bank a long time to throw me out <laughs> before I, you know, if I stop paying my mortgage money, it's going to take them a while. So I, I'll be safer from the rain for a while. So like, that's the only, I think, saving grace. But for example, I had to have the plumbers and the, uh, and the electric electricians come out multiple times over the past couple of months just to fix things here and there. And it's like, it adds up. It's like, I probably had another $800 um, in the last month or two to my mortgage payment. Cause it's just like, and then, you know, electricity and gas bill goes up. So it's like real estate investing, it can be good, but like right now, if you have some money, put it in Bitcoin and just rent a place, a cheap place. And uh, you know, that pays utilities, dude, if they pay utilities, take it. You know, I get if you have a family, but I don't even know about that. Like I could probably rent a nicer place than I live in right now if I just rented instead of owned. Also, jumping back to Bitcoin for one sec, I run a Bitcoin full node, which has a decent end, which means I'm running and I'm running 24 seven and I'm not paying for electricity for it. Just mine Bitcoin. <laughs> mine Bitcoin. Yeah, that, I think they would start jacking the rent at that point because the amount of energy you need to mine yeah. Bitcoin is excessive. I would be. Apparently, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Apparently, it's like, not uh, climate friendly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to like live next to a nuclear power plant and suck off the nuclear power plant. Okay. Um, so. We've been all close to an hour here, but let's go, um, let's save Tesla for next week, but let's jump into Jeff Bezos for a second because I think that was current news this yeah. week. And that was pretty big news. Very interesting. And we'll, let's, let's wrap up with Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, I think. Let's do it. So he stepped down as CEO of Amazon. He's still the executive chair, yeah, I guess. Technically which... he's going to be CEO, I think through 
Q2 or Q3, but he's got a little bit longer. But yes, he announced oh, that he's retiring. Okay. So there's a transition period. Uh, but within this year, he's going to be out. And I don't remember the exact date. Right. Uh, and he's going to be. That's kind of crazy. He's just going to be uh, on the board, I think, at that point. And basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's. And what a time to step down, too. I mean, probably Amazon. I don't know if they've ever. I feel like they've probably never been doing better. But that's, you know, probably because of COVID. But they were always doing great. So it will be interesting to see. If the, I mean, the guy who's taken over has been with him for 24 years. So, and, you know, but he's not Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos why do you think he's stepping down? But Jeff Bezos is always going to be a year away. Uh, like, a, like a, sorry, a phone call away. He's going to be a phone call away. Right. He's an ear away. Uh, that's what I think I was trying to say, but I don't know. But he's a phone and call. I hear he doesn't even go to the office till like 11 so you know he's no, pretty no, lazy I mean, he's, he's a big he's get a big, that guy out of there he's an idea man um you know he's a big idea man yeah. he lets other people execute and i and i don't think he lose that when he's um when he's um gone and so i think he'll still be around uh the well parts of all he you know he built up a giant i think it was like an old i think it was originally like a printing office or something in cal but it's in colorado which is a very very nice neighborhood with ambassadors and Barack Obama and Ivanka and Jared used to live uh, in DC. And okay. so it's, it's, it's a super rich area, risky area in DC. And he bought a place and retrofitted into a giant house recently. And that was in the last, you know, four years or so. And so he's come to DC. And I think to answer it, I think it was functionally, he owns, first of all, he personally owns the Washington post. Uh, he, and I think that's a side project that's interesting right. to him. He also, he also owns Blue Origin, which is a space company that competes with Elon Musk. In fact, it steals Elon Musk uh, employees to Elon Musk to Elon Musk yeah. grin. Uh, it, you know, I think SpaceX is and a they, much better company. Maybe even lagging? But I think, I think, think, so too. I think, but I think Blue Origin, I think he wants to compete there. I think he's tired of seeing Elon Musk beating the crap out of him. I think the other thing is he's got the One Day Fund, which is his philanthropy. I think he wants to focus on that. Again, yeah. watching Bill Gates getting a lot more credit Schools, for the I Gates Foundation. Well, yeah, I think that's preschool. I think it was one of them. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what he's doing. But yeah. the thing is, you know, the Gates Foundation has really changed Bill Gates' image from just this crazy corporatist who wanted from to destroy the being world. Jeff Bezos to now and, and he so Jeff Bezos, polio. <laughs> it's like how we think of him. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think Jeff Bezos is sort of ready for that transition as well. Um, so I think that's going to happen. And I think he picked DC yeah. so he can be all these companies that well, his Washington Post is right in local. But the thing is, but the, these things are all impacted by policy, which is why he's here. And he's going to be, he's going to be, and he has an admin that's finally friendly to him. You know, Donald Trump did not like Jeff Bezos and Amazon and Washington Post. So, but now but he has a, such a good businessman. You would think. Trump would have liked a good businessman. <laughs> well, he doesn't like the Washington Post. That was the real issue, I think. The Washington Post talking. Oh, shit. and he's not a real businessman. <laughs> but um, so. Yeah, there's that too. But um, I think. But I think now he's got a. He's got a. He's got the kind of admin that's kind of friendly to him. And this is this is the kind of left. Uh, what I mean, Democrat left um, admin where he'd be friendly. Uh, you know, they're pretty corporatists. Uh, they're not. They're not AOC yeah. of the world. Uh, that's not who they are. Right. And so he's got a very friendly admin right now for four years, and which means he has a lot of ways of getting right. stuff through that are going to support these initiatives that he's engaged in. So I think he's going to be living here. He'll be checking in occasionally at the, you know, they, they've already announced HQ2 and what the design is going to be over here in Crystal City in Virginia, which is just across the river. So when he needs to check into Amazon, he can go there. He can probably even work out of that. I'm sure he'll have an office there where he can work out of it for the other stuff. Probably. But he's probably going to set up all this stuff and it's going to be a lot of policy driven stuff. Yeah. And it'll be him. You no, know, 
Bill Gates was involved in a lot of policy stuff around healthcare and stuff, but he lives out in Seattle and I think that causes problems. Right. Makes them hard to check in all the time. Yeah. And he, so I think, I think Bezos is going to be, try to be like Gates 2.0 and learn some of the lessons. And, and he learned one of the lessons How that he? Gates told Mark Zuckerberg, which is you need to be friendly with, with Washington because they can destroy you because right. back with the antitrust issues, the Microsoft. So and he's, I mean, if, you know, him moving to DC, you know, kind of foreshadows some kind of political activism. He's only 57 years old. That's actually, if you think about it, gives him 20 years before he is how old Biden is and right thing now. Is, That's 20 um, years unlike to Unlike Gates, he takes a much better care of himself. You can see that in the way he uh, works he, out. And was, he's jacked. He's jacked. And he's, he went from, he went from like fit. a dirty little guy to like jacked. So he, yeah. he, he has a, yeah. he has a health regimen. I'm not sure who it is, if it's a personal trainer or something that lives with him or, but he's taking I'm care sure of himself. So he can probably go further. Uh, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And you're the, you're the, basically the richest man in the world. I mean, I know Elon Musk passes him sometimes, but basically the richest man in the world and you're moving to DC and you're 57 and you're, yeah. you I mean, he'll a, be a blue he'll origin be, and you have a newspaper. He'll be bi-coastal. He'll go to breakfast Seattle sometimes. I'm sure he, well, it, sure. Wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a place in uh, like LA because you know, Amazon studios is down there and stuff. So he probably has places all over, but the thing is he now he everything. has, but the difference is unlike Gates, Gates has no footprint here in DC at all. So some of his footprint was going to be right. spent here. Um, and my my guess is for Which tax purposes. My guess is for tax purposes, Jeff Bezos will be in Washington most of the time. So there's a resident requirement that so when you yeah. start getting taxed at places, he's not going to be living in DC enough to get that right. tax. He's not stupid. He's going to be living in Washington State, or maybe he'll go down to Texas where there's mm-hmm. no t- income tax, Florida where there's no income tax. He'll go someplace where he thinks he can make a high impact with people. And he'll spend most of it, enough time to be taxed there as a full time. I think he'll be everywhere else. Right. And so he'll be in DC. It's usually, I think it's usually around, I, okay, don't quote me on this. I know I'm a tax attorney. I maybe should know this, but I don't do individual income tax. I think it's 60 days usually around when you start triggering uh, income taxes in those locations. Um, so he'll probably be like 59 days he'll spend in DC and then flying right. around in his corporate dread. And then and he'll pick those 59 days depending right. on when he has meetings and stuff and such flight events. And the way I would look at it is, I mean, he's such a ruthless, if you will, businessman, such an effective, maybe we should say, businessman, obviously very intelligent, sets a plan, you know, executes a plan over a long period of time. And so I don't think him stepping down, I don't think it's like, I think everything we could see would probably be like, you're kind of painting it as very planned. There's probably a 20 year plan in the works uh, and that's why he's moving to DC. I think I didn't realize he was doing that, but that makes so much sense that he's going to spend a lot more time in DC, especially. And that might have been why that might have been what triggered the announcement. You know, like oh, Biden won, cool. Let's. Uh, let's I'm sure put I'm phase one into. I'm 100 convinced that's part of it. Um, I I am skeptical he would have done it if Trump had won, only because he wouldn't have a friendly admin. It's not that he, he can influence to a degree and. But the thing is, if you have a completely unreceptive president, you're just going to be a lot less effective. And and as you know, we know he's effective and you know he thinks about effectiveness. He thinks about strategy. He's one of those guys who I think thinks deeply about these things. And I think I would not be surprised if Biden's win and realizing that he and he's the kind of guy that Biden, those kind of Democrats like. Yes. Even though he uh, he's a corporatist and he can be a little bit closer to the Bill Gates of the world, who Bill Gates is really res- mm-hmm. well respected among this group. And for the record, I used to want to work on the Bill Gates 
the Gates Foundation, I used to respect a lot of what they're doing, and I've gotten a little bit less so because um, I think they do some really weird stuff, like trying to block out the sun. <laughs> it's what he's, Bill Gates is trying to do. And it, like, was, and, I don't know if that. But I my, can but, explain that. But but, but, but the other thing, I, there. yeah. But my point is, okay, we can talk about. Actually, this might be a good thing to bring up next. How much do we like about the some of the some of the more sketchy things? I think he's engaged in. Um, I think it's a valid conversation we probably should have, and maybe that maybe that's a good one for next next time. Because I have my feelings on Gates have changed a little bit. I'm not fully like oh, anti Gates because I think a lot of what he's doing is fantastic, unquestionably fantastic. To be clear, um, and the people who like, I have from a friend on Twitter who just absolutely hates Bill Gates because of the crazy things he's trying, some of the crazier things he's trying to do, and I'm a little bit more like um, oh like I actually have really issues with these things. Uh, and uh, mm. it's tempered my opinion about him a little bit, but I still think a lot of things he's doing are really great uh, with the Gates Foundation. So he got a lot of people vaccinated in that. Like he, I mean, I think it was polio, right? Like his foundation was, you know, pretty pivotal in funding the vaccination. But, oh yeah, he, he, I think he had polio. seven. Um, oh well, yeah, polio. He's been trying to completely eradicate, which he's gotten very close to doing. Uh, but he also yeah. like just the COVID vaccines. I think he funded seven different. Uh, factories for building COVID right. vaccines without even knowing if they would work because he wanted them built so that people right. could get the vaccines working uh, and distributed quicker. Right. So, yeah, he's been, but I, I do think he's a little bit more, so he's a little bit more friendly to things like um, uh, the World Health Organization, which I have some issues with. The World Health Organization refused to call this thing a pandemic sure. out of nothing but yep. politics. Um, right. Um, and he still thinks the World Health Administration is great. I think he just feels like he can't do work without him. But it, but it means he can't criticize right. these guys either uh, for things that they really screw up. Yeah. You know, you had to talk nice about Dr. Fauci despite the fact that uh, he was anti-mask for a long period of time, which I still despise. Because the thing is, he should have under, I, in my opinion, Dr. Dr. Fauci should be fired. I think he, I think his actions kill people. I don't think it was intentional, but I wow. do think. But, but I do think telling people not to wear masks early on, and he was very anti-mask in the beginning, simply because he thought it was like the cold and the flu, and he thought that's how it was transmitted. But my whole point to my friends, and I was, I was telling people to wear masks at the time. I had bought N95s back in uh, February. And I said, look, we have no idea how this thing transmits, so assume it transmits every way until we know otherwise. And he didn't understand that. And the other thing this was- is, this, is, it, this is some good fire here we could have. Yeah, let's we'll have this, this have a, we'll have a fuller conversation next time because uh, I've had long thoughts about Fauci and I am much more anti-Fauci and, and it's one of my problems with the liberals to be honest. I, I don't think they can see the truth in this one. I'm happy to have that conversation. Let's have it next time. No, we'll have the full conversation. I will go into a diatribe next. Oh time. no, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm I'm I'm, just, I'm writing down the topics for next time and those sound like they're going to be some good debates. So that might be a good place to um, stop it here for now. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Come back next time because we're gonna get into some arguments. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on Fauci <laughs> publicly. He's gonna shit on Fauci and <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but appreciate we'll you listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. All right, talk to you guys later.